first of all, my name is Tatiana and I am so happy to be here. This is a dream coming true. When I was younger, my dad and I used to pretend we were radio presenters and he would get me to sing and just give general jokes and general updates about my life as a three-year-old. He used to record them and on a cassette and then send it to our family back in Angola. Beautiful memories. And now this show is a reality. So I'm so happy that the FMV radio has taken me in because I, this is honestly a dream coming true. And I think that everyone wants to see their dreams come true. The second thing I want to get off my chest is it's bank holiday. So it's bank holiday Monday and I'm so happy because I just came away from a wonderful weekend with my family in Huddersfield and I'm missing them already. So if you guys are listening through Huddersfield, I love you guys. Love you, love you, love you, love you. Thank you so much for hosting me and my little family. We enjoyed the sun and the great food and just the general company. So thank you, fam. So finally, to all of you tuning in today, if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to slide on my DMs on Instagram. And you can find me on at Fairy Queen Tatiana or send it to at FMB Radio so you can just speak to me. So I will be introducing to you various guests, but first, Let's get started. So my first guest today, she's an amazing woman. I used to work with her before. Um, her name is Shilpa, and she is gladly here to organize and um, just be an amazing person to be on the show. But before I delve into why she motivated, what does she bring to the table in a personal life, I just want to talk about my personal motivation. So as some of you may know my voice already, so I am the host of Fairy Queen Talks, where I talk about things about self-reflection, self-awareness, and general happiness and where I'm in my life right now. And one of the things I've been very intentional about in the past year or so is what do I want for my future? What do I want to achieve? And I am a very much of a planner. I write everything down. And a lot of the things that I've written down have come to fruition, and also things that I haven't thought about before have also happened. One of those things was starting my podcast. I've been wanting to do this for a very, very long time. But different things in life stopped me. For example, um, I've got work, I've got studies, I'm too busy hanging out with friends. So you're not really busy with pursuing your own dreams. So different things may have been an excuse or stopped me from actually pursuing what I wanted to do. But when lockdown happened, things just changed. The whole world stopped. And with the world stopping, I think parts of me were able to start. And starting a podcast during the lockdown has been such a blessing. First, um, I'm a mother of two, and it gave me an hour or two to just escape from my everyday reality and escape into this world where I can really focus and think about things that, you know, draw attention and make me think. And some of those things were about personal development, about how to be more productive. Uh, but as things became more political and um, last year, just a lot of injustice happening, I, I knew that I had to bring my voice to that as well. So being silent is something that I don't want to do, but I can only speak on things that I know to be true and understand. So when it came to being black in the world or being a black mother, those are the things that I can speak to. Um, so that's what I also bring into the podcast. And a lot of you have been enjoying it through um, Anchor, through Spotify, and also now you're listening to it on FMB Radio. And it's just amazing to hear all the great feedback because it 
it's such an amazing feeling when you create something and other people, you know, notice it, listen to it and enjoy it. So when I first started my podcast, I thought, you know, even if I just get one listener, even if it's just one listener, I will definitely continue. And lo and behold, it's been over a year and I've had over a thousand downloads and people just listening from all around the world. And that's such an amazing feeling to know that you can speak something in, the, in, in your bedroom or in your house and people all around the world can tune into that. So I'm just going to check on the social media. So if you have anything to say, please feel free to send me a message on the DMs. Okay. So it seems, uh, thank you. I just got a message. People are, you know, seeing this on Instagram. So I am live on Instagram and live here on the radio. So thank you. Thank you very much. So a little bit about my guest today. So my guest today uh, was a colleague. So in my professional life, I work as a EDI, um, sorry. <laughs> as an EDI advisor. So EDI stands for Equality, Diversity and Inclusion. And I advise on something that is very hard to speak about for some people and it's race. So when this colleague of mine joined the team, she came as a race consultant. She has 30 years of experience within the field. And it was so great to just shadow her and to learn from her. And because of lockdown and because of you know, the world that we live in, I never actually met this lady before. So I've only seen her through uh, Zoom or I've seen her through Teams, whatever technology we use at work. And despite the, the difference of like, meeting people, it's incredible how we can still connect because all of these forms of technology allow us to connect to individuals and being able to connect to this colleague in particular on a topic of race and um, being a woman in, the, in, in this industry, the field of equality, it's very interesting because sometimes we feel like, you know, the fight has been going on for many years, but to hear the stories of how people fought for justice 30 years ago in the 80s and in the 90s, it's very different. Recently, I organized an amazing event um, with my work for Stephen Lawrence Day and watching a three hour documentary about the life of Stephen and um, how it tragically was ended by people who had nothing else to do but just to interrupt you know people's lives and um it was such a cruel way to to see someone go but the impact of you know what people felt in that moment when they realized this is this is not right in 1993 alone there were 25 horrible scenarios of people just losing their lives because of injustice and racism and something like that is not good and for many maybe 2020 was the first time where they realized you know there's so much injustice but this injustice has been going on for so many years it's not just George Floyd so many other names of incredible people innocent people who who didn't have to go but went because of hatred it's not fair and I think it's us people who consider themselves to be good consider themselves to be allies and to to do the right thing should stand up. And because of lots of people standing up, protesting, making sure their voices are heard, a lot of changes have happened. The change in, you know, when it comes to justice doesn't come very quickly. Sometimes it's really slow. 
And um, because of the speed, it makes people wonder, is there any change going to happen? But little things have changed. For example, I can walk on the street and feel like a person, you know, when I look back and see other generations, you know, just the color of the skin would, would make things slightly hard or people would question, why are you walking here? You should be here. So progress has been made. We need a lot more progress, but a lot of us can live happy lives in, in certain places in the world. And I'm just grateful to, to be in a place in the world where I feel that I have freedom to, to be a person and to be a woman, to be a black woman, and to have a, a real sense of pride and um, a sense of identity. And I think I've learned to embrace that over the, the last couple of years, um, just moving around different countries and really understanding who am I as a person. And I'm just so grateful that I'm able to, to stand here today and to, to say, you know what, whoever you are, you are amazing and you bring value to this world. And I think bringing on people who think like me, who are highly motivated, is something that I am more than happy to do. So without any more talky-talky from your therapy and Tatiana, I'd like to introduce to you to my first guest of Tapping Into Your Greatness. We have Shilpa Aya. Hi, hey, Shilpa. Tatiana. Hello. Hi, how there. are you? How are you feeling today? I'm wonderful. How are you? Yes, thank you. Thank you for coming on today. It's so nice to see you again on the screen. And I was just telling all the listeners, I have never actually met you in, in real life. No. <laughs> I am so happy to have connected with you through technology. So would you like to tell everyone how we met? Before oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. So um, you were on a, an interview panel. So that's the first time that we met. Um, when I applied for a, a post with Nottingham Trent University um, and, um, and then obviously we met when I joined um, and it was all done virtually, yeah. Yes, definitely. And what was your first impression of me? <laughs> Gosh, did, um, I think for, for me it was, it was um, uh, certainly on the, on the panel because um, I've always advocated for um, having diversity on, a, on an interview panel. So to see um, the range of um, panellists and from diverse backgrounds, I was really um, inspired and felt confident um, in undertaking the interview. Um, but also because um, obviously you're, you're a lot younger than me, so it was nice to see um, perhaps um, you know, that the, there was a young person on the panel as well. So yeah, that was my first impression. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my first impression of you was just just someone who's super full of knowledge. And I think the, the, the word that came to me is a, a veteran injustice for me. And it was so amazing to see someone who um, is a, a brown woman, a, a black woman, and to see that, you know, this work has been done so many years ago. Because sometimes uh, I was speaking earlier, we sometimes feel that this work of justice and equality is something new, but there's been a lot of people who've been doing this work way before us. And I think it's been great to, to see you and see that example. Mm -hmm. And inspiration can be drawn from anything and anyone, but what inspires me is just your longevity and um, you know your stuff and you bring that seniority to your role. 
Uh, so it's just been amazing to have met you and hopefully one time uh, I'll be able to see you in, in real life. So, <laughs> so this show is all about happening to your greatness and I think you definitely do that. You are definitely great at what you do but there's also other things that are great about you. So my first question to you today is what and when was the first time in your life that you realized that you were really good at something? Um, I'm not sure if there's a particular moment in time that I'll knit down to, but I think if I reflect back on, um, on life, I think it's those um, leadership skills that I have. And when I talk about leadership, um, I kind of see myself as a leader who inspires and um, uh, encourages others to kind of develop and progress, particularly in their careers. So, um, you know, I, I think probably the, the most significant is um, where um, I um, interviewed um, somebody who was facing redundancy um, and um, they were um, a kind of supervisor on a refuse collection um, truck. Um, and I was really inspired and, and felt um, that he interviewed really well, although he not had a background in um, kind of administrative clerical work. Uh, I thought, yeah, let's 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 give him the opportunity to kind of, um, I suppose, turn around his um, his situation from potentially becoming redundant. And actually, this individual um, uh, kind of developed a career in. HR got their um, CIPD qualification and became a successful manager um, within within the organisation that was that I was in. So that's just one example. But I think it's just encouraging and supporting individuals to kind of develop and progress their careers and and kind of having that kind of leadership style really. Ah, thank you for sharing that. And do you think that leadership style has come naturally to you or? Is this something that has been, you know, that's how you progressed in your life where you think, you know, this is how I was able to, you know, climb up the ladders and this is what I want to give back? Um, I think partly and also because of the opportunities that I've had from, from individuals throughout my life where I felt that's because of the, um, the leadership they've shown because they've been either in a position of privilege or white privilege in the main, um, where they've inspired me or encouraged me or given me the confidence to kind of give, go away and do a piece of work. Um, and that's kind of helped me to progress my career. And I um, kind of left school when I was um, a teenager. So I left when I was 17. Um, and um, um, when I started in, in um, my career in local government, um, I had a six week contract um, and actually, it's through the kind of inspiration and confidence that I had from my managers at the time that I developed and, and became a HR professional. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So besides the, the great career that you've had, what are other things that you're really great at that, you know, everyone raves about? Um, I've often been described as somebody who's quietly confident. So I... Um, do bring about challenge, but I think I do it in a way where um, I persuade people to, to kind of change um, or to see um, a different way of, of perhaps doing something. 
So um, I don't shy away from challenging, but it's, I suppose it's the approach that I take. Um, and also um, in terms of um, my kind of inspiration from my family side, um, I've certainly been inspired and, and uh, um, you know, have um, a lot to, get, um, to thank my parents for. Um, my father was very humble um, and my mother was always, um, has been my inspiration. So doing service in the community or doing service um, is, is kind of an important part of what I do. So again, that's another thing that I, I, I suppose I've mentioned. Oh, thank you, thank you. And would you say your your leadership skills and just been able to identify, um, you know, the greatness in others? Do you think that comes from your parents being able to, you know, re rear you in such a way where you, you know, you had all the confidence to pursue what you wanted to do? I'm, I'm not sure because I, I, I guess I came came here um, to the UK as a as a Ugandan refugee when I was only six, so. Um, a lot of my um, education and kind of development and growth professionally wasn't kind of through um, some anchoring from my parents because they were from very humble backgrounds. So they came to this country with very little. So they came with, I think it's about 70 pounds that they were allowed to bring. Um, but I think it's just um, their generosity um, and... Um, regardless of whether they had money or not, it was always, the house was always full um, of, of visitors and people. Um, and I, I, I think professionally, my inspiration came, as I say, from people who were around me at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I had really good, I've had really good managers who always have encouraged me and inspired me to, to kind of progress. But in terms of my kind of I, I suppose in, in terms of how I live my life, that comes from my parents and, and also from my faith as well in some respects. Okay, thank you. So bringing back to the, the young Shilpa moving to the UK and mm -hmm. you see all these amazing people around you and you know being a great example to you, did you set any goals of like, you know, this is what I would like to do or do you, did you gradually just fall into different places? Um, I don't know if I had, um, I didn't have goals. Um, I think I wanted to be different things at different times in my life. So, mm. you know, um, there was a point where I wanted to be a hairdresser and then there was a point where actually I wanted to be a musician and a singer <laughs> and all of those things. So I've <laughs> always had these kind of um, um, I don't know, aspirations or, or dreams of becoming something, something. Um, I know I, it always felt that um, through my education and, and my teachers particularly that I was very good at um, English um, so and um, I felt very inspired by um, you know the, the kind of feedback they used to give me so that was something that I always felt confident about although I wouldn't say the same about maths because I, I never got <laughs> maths. In fact I, I only understood maths when I um, went to university um, at Nottingham Trent, in fact, it was, um, when I went to do my uh, IPM, and I had a wonderful um, teacher, I don't remember his name, um, but he really taught me maths, and he taught me statistics, 
Um, yeah. So, you know, again, that's that's kind of stayed with me throughout my career. So, um, you know, when I have to do any analysis or analytical work, um, that that's that's where that comes from. That's statistical knowledge, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's interesting you say that because one of my my modules in my first year of uni was statistics. And I thought I wouldn't enjoy it, but I absolutely loved it. I, I don't know what it was because I, I did I only stopped doing maths at GCSEs and I never went back to it because I was always petrified. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great course. Oh, what you said earlier about the singing, if you were a singer, what genre of music oh, would you get into? It would, it would be Bollywood, of course. So. <laughs> Oh, so, actually, it would be the golden oldies. So I um, love my Bollywood films, and as you, as you know, Tatiana, because yes. you've watched some, haven't you, Bollywood films? Yeah. So um, they all have, um, they're all musicals, most of them. So they all have um, um, songs that are connected to the film. So um, yeah, that would be my my genre of music. <laughs> oh, lovely. Now, I, I love Bollywood films. I even love it even more when I go to the cinema and when, when they yeah. play it and uh, in the breaks in between because the movies are so long. I, I could see you doing a performance one or two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want to hear it though. <laughs> I could um, maybe mime it. <laughs> that's good enough. That's what, what most people do anyway when they're recording yeah. the films, they'll be miming it. Oh, great. So in terms of your whole life, you know, what are the things that you're most proud of achieving? Um, I think there are individual moments that I'm I'm kind of very proud of, obviously. Um, and I go back to kind of seeing all those individuals that have kind of been um, at an assistant level within within you know within my workplace and actually watching them grow and having careers. So that's that's certainly something that's I felt really inspired by. There's lots of um, individuals who've been in a in a difficult place um, throughout my life as well, and I I hope that um, I've helped them in in some respects to kind of come out of that um, dark space within their life and come out and um, and kind of become more positive. So that's about that friendship and being there for friends and um, supporting supporting them. I think also, um, um, you know, with with my mum, I mean, she she went through the last part of her life. She was had a period of um, where she was she was um, critically ill and she was having palliative care. And I felt that um, that I um, I wanted to um, do um, do that palliative care. Um, and so for, for me, that was. Uh, something that I feel very, very proud of the fact that, and actually quite privileged as well to have had the opportunity to take care of her. And um, I didn't feel it was a burden. I didn't feel it was, um, you know, um, something um, that was a responsibility or anything like that. Um, and it was a very difficult time for her. She was a very independent woman. She was very, um, you know, confident. Um, and it was, I suppose for me, it was making sure that um, whatever I did for her over those uh, um, eight months was done in a dignified way um, and that um, you know, gave her respect, even though it was the latter, you know, the later stages of her life, really. Yeah. 
So that that's something that I feel um, feel very proud of. Um, and I guess being always kind of honest and truthful is mm. something that's really important to me. So making sure that you know I, in in whatever I do, I am true to myself. Because again, I, I I feel I get very frustrated if I'm in a situation, and and I feel you know somewhat compromised or somewhat not able to um, kind of give give myself. Um, in a situation yes that was amazing I think what, what what you said about you know being there for friends in, in in darker times and you know dealing with friends who sometimes have their own mental health and you know challenges it, it, as a friend it's it's easy to just be like okay just get on with it you know let's just be happy but I think a good a good friend will be patient with that person yes and um it, it's very important to have supportive friends and yeah that's a that's a really good thing thank you for sharing that and about your mum as well so you said that you you know you 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 moved here with your family um you know from Uganda and they've been very humble and um you know you've worked so hard what is the driving force you know behind your motivation to just strive to be um the best at what you do because you know you've You've excelled in your career and uh, you've raised a beautiful family. You've done all of this hard work, but you know, what drives you um, to, to continue to do that for yourself? There's, um, there's a number of things that, that kind of drive this. One is, as I say, um, kind of that, um, what I don't like to see is adversity or um, inequality. So I'm always striving to um, kind of change that but I also think um, that everybody deserves a second chance or a third yeah. chance or a fourth chance whatever <laughs> it might be um, and I don't I don't stop counting so I think that everybody should have a second or a third or fourth, whatever chances they need in life and mm. so that that kind of um, motivates me to kind of do the work that I do because I, I do believe that you know that um I'm very soul conscious that we all are um you know have a, have a beautiful soul but actually you know sometimes we are because of our circumstances we're distracted or we digress into um into different things but actually you know if you look at each individual as a, a pure soul then, then you can almost relate to them um, in a, in a, always in a positive sense. So that, that's, that's really important to me, is, is, and that inspires me to do, do what I'm doing. Yeah, I think it's a very beautiful um, you know, way of looking at people as, as pure souls, uh, because when, when you do that, you, you look beyond their uh, human behaviours and just look for them as... as as a person who may be in need, um, is frustrated and just needs some support, or maybe just a hug. Um, sometimes it's it's hard to love or show that or see uh, people as pure souls when they're when they're absolutely <laughs> challenging people. Uh, but there's always some good somewhere, and if we strive to find that, it makes it a lot easier to to interact with people and to to be, have that motivation to to see people for the good. Um, I, I think it's, um, 
I, I see those as obstacles in your way. So it's about, yes. it's about um, so when, you, when I experience adversity or um, adverse behavior, I always see that as, cha it's you know, there's a challenge for me to kind of deal with that situation. Because it wouldn't it be nice if we were all nice to each other all the time and, uh, you know, but, but that the world isn't like that. And I suppose it's about how, how resilient you are and how you cope or deal with those situations. And I also think part of that is about being able to kind of walk away or from those negative situations and actually move into or create a positive space for yourself. Um, because you can become quite frustrated, you can become bitter, you can become quite angry. And those are things that I, I don't kind of want to be. So, you know, if I am in those spaces where I feel I'm drifting in that direction, I take myself out of that space and, and go into a, a space that's more positive. Yes, it's, it's interesting you say that because it draws me back. So I have, uh, like, like, you know, I've got two little girls, they're, they're one years old, and one of them is learning how to hit pretty well. <laughs> and my mom said to me, you have to respond with love. <laughs> so every time I get a hit, it's like, it's responding with love, even though it can be hard sometimes when you get like a physical slap on your face. But I've learned that if you return the slap, it's, it's not going to help the situation. It even makes it worse. So responding in how, in how we respond to others or in, in adverse situations um, makes all the difference. Um, it may take a couple of tries, you know, a lot of love to fall, uh, but eventually it, it's, you know, it settles things. So yeah. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks I, yeah I, I would completely agree with you. And I think, you know, the, that kind of analogy that you've given with, with your daughters, it's, it's, it's um, I suppose, that we, and we've talked about this before, but as your children get older and they have more complex um, issues that they're, they're dealing with, um, I, I found myself sometimes angry and that's not helped. So, you know, like I say, if you create um, a loving environment and a loving response, um, that it dissipates that anger. Um, and, um, you know, somebody once told me that, you know, if, if you experience negativity from somebody, whatever vibrations you get, negative vibrations you get from individuals, um, you know, if you break that with, you know, saying something, um, like a hello or, or smiling that that yeah. sometimes dissipates or it frustrates the hell out of them because they, they don't <laughs> understand why you're responding in that way yeah and, and I think I you know I, I we've talked previously about some really difficult times that I've been through um including domestic violence divorce um and those kind of spaces where it's 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 kind of it's very toxic but actually what I learned from all of those is that you can still be or become that positive person um, because otherwise it kind of, it eats away at you and it, and it, you absorb all of that anger and that hate. So I kind of removed myself from that and, and actually continue to be positive in, in all, all situations. But I think they're all learning experiences as well. So you learn from those situations and actually use the, your own experience to support others. 
Yeah, you brought up a good, really good point. It makes me question, you know, on the days where you, you physically and mentally haven't got the capacity to be like, you can be kind, you're just so tired. What, what do you do or how do you get yourself or transition to that space where it is more positive? You know, when you say you have those negative vibrations, how do you enter into a place where you have positive vibrations and positive vibes? How do you make that transition if you're having a really, really bad, you know, struggle, challenging day? So um, I usually switch off. So switch off from the world. That's the first thing that I'll do. So I'll probably not have any communications at all for that day. Um, and I know that's not possible for, for everybody, but I kind of switch off. Um, but the other thing that I do is obviously I, I do um, meditation and yoga, which are um, kind of a daily practice, not just because of the situation. Um, so those I kind of maintain as well. Um, I also can spend time on reflecting. So I spend quite a lot of time reflecting and daydreaming. <laughs> so mm. when you were talking about actually, you know, what do you want, you know, when you think about what is it you want to do next or or whatever so again I spend a lot of time daydreaming and I I um, write down positive affirmations and so those sorts of things really. Oh, thank you and um, I know you have a, an, an event coming up soon because um, you just mentioned about domestic violence mm -hmm. um, for people to you know to find that peace um, what would you say to those people who currently um, you know because of this lockdown, they just had a really tough year and they really haven't had the time or opportunity to leave their situations. What would you say to them? You know, how can they get into a positive space in their lives, not just physically, but also mentally? What could they do? Yeah, I suppose I wouldn't, what I wouldn't want to do is kind of advocate for um, different situations. But um, obviously, my first, my first point would be that domestic violence is never okay. Um, and obviously there are different degrees of it that, that an individual may be experiencing. Um, and I think that it's important that um, you get the support that you need. So that's the important thing is to get support, whether it's from family or friends or whether it's from professional um, organizations but it depends on the kind of extent and severity of it um, and actually you know if it is very serious um, it's about you know to, I suppose planning and taking steps to mm. kind of remove yourself from from that situation but I think it is very different and um, it's very what is very sad is that you know often um, women I say women because I think it is largely women who experience domestic violence, although you know, men do as well. And it's it's kind of you kind of keep taking steps to to to, to think that it will change, or you um, are coerced into behaving in a particular way, um, and that you tend to kind of end up losing friends and family. Um, mm. as a part of that and, that and that might mean that you actually are cut off from from everything that you used to have as a, as a support structure and yes. um, so for me it's I wouldn't want to advocate one particular way of dealing with that situation because I think that every situation is different yeah I hope that individuals would 
take positive steps to kind of, um, I suppose, um, change um, change their situation for the better. And whether that's, as I said, going to friends, family, um, talking to somebody about it um, and, and, and taking those steps, but in a, I suppose, in a way that's kind of measured and careful so that you don't put yourself in a, in a situation where you're at risk. Yeah, I think it's very interesting over, over the, the, the past year, we had this whole idea of support bubbles and having a, a support bubble or people that you can go to for support is, is very important and maintain their, those friendships, whether you are have in happy times or, or struggling. Hopefully all of us have got at least one person um, you know, that we can go to for support. I know at Facebook we have thousands of friends, but when it comes to real life situations, it's very important to have a tribe. So thanks for sharing that. Um, so when others describe your best traits, what do they usually say about you? Oh, gosh. I'd have to ask other people. <laughs> um, I think that they, one of the um, um, recurring messages I get is that you're very calm. So you're very mm -hmm. calm um, and that you're very confident um, as well. So those two things I think I always get back. And also um, um, generosity as well. Um, my children often say, Oh, you don't, you don't, you're not very strict. So I'm not sure if that's a positive <laughs> or not. But they they always describe me as as kind of the, the not so strict mummy, you know. So um that's a uh, good thing. That's a good yeah. Thing. <laughs> Although I, I don't know whether that means I'm actually a soft touch when it comes to parenting. <laughs> oh, and do, do you agree with how other people describe you, or does it surprise you sometimes what people say about you to you? Um, I think because because I've heard it so often, I think that, and it, and it is something that I kind of inspire to be. So um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's confirmation of, of the way that I want to live my life. Um, so if somebody was to say to me, oh, you know, that you're not, you're um, very selfish or that you're very angry, then that would surprise me. Yeah. Because okay. that's not, that's not what I intend to be or set out to be as an individual. Oh, thank you. So have you got any like favorite motivational quote that you would like to share with us today? Do you know, I, I've, I've been thinking about that and, and whether there is a particular quote. I don't think there's one. There's, there's lots of different um, individuals that um, um, I'm inspired by. So and their quotes often I kind of um, look at. But uh, I think that for me, what I've learned through the from the Kamaris is is um, this sense of um, um, Om Shanti. Om Shanti means um, it's it's almost like I see a, a, a superior soul within within you. So for me, um, I think those those two words are are really really important, um, and they they form part of my meditation and they um, form part of how I want to look at people. So um, by starting a conversation with Om Shanti, it's almost like acknowledging that you're, what you're seeing in that individual is their pure soul. Um, mm -hmm. So that those two, those two words, I guess, um, um, are 
they're not quotations, but they are actually um, a way of a way of life, really, for me. And what what language do those words come from? So they those come from um, so I'm a, a Hindu, but they they're Sanskrit words. Mm, very nice. You you must give me the whole spelling so I can look it up. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's amazing. I think it draws back again to to seeing the, the inner parts of us because we're, we're so we just see you know our skin our hair um but the, the inner soul is so important i think connecting with people um on that level is very important i think that's what i've appreciated uh for meeting you is truly connecting with your mind and i think that's one of the most beautiful things you can do on this earth is connecting with different people on, on that level um i was going to say to you in this moment in life of your semi-retirement, semi-doing <laughs> everything amazing, uh, what are you currently motivated by in this in this age of or this decade in your life? Um, I suppose, but for me, it's it's kind of a, a, when I was forty-nine, I I um, was diagnosed with with breast cancer and. Um, but for me, that that was a kind of turning point in my life. So I felt from that moment that actually we don't know how much time that we have um, as as individuals. So um, for me, it was the motivation from men has been that you've got to live the best life um, um, that you can. And obviously, there are there are constraints to to do everything. <laughs> And I don't, and I don't mean in a materialistic way at all. But it's about um, using the time that I have to kind of add value to um, to people around me, to my community, to society, and actually to to, to work towards making a difference. So um, part of you know this the semi retirement that I've taken recently is one to kind of have the space to be able to do that um, and not um, but also I be there for all my children as well but also to provide um, um, the space to kind of do the work that I want to do I feel that I want to go into a more leadership type position where I can influence decision making at um, a senior level within organizations so what I want to do with the time that I've got now is to sit on boards or to sit on um, you know, organisations at that level um, and to be able to, to contribute um, my thinking um, to, to, to organisations, but also to, to do more work in my community. So um, I already have been working with a carers group for the last um, four or five years, um, and this is a group of Asian carers and what I haven't been able to do is to kind of dedicate a lot of time to that that particular group and um, so what I want to do is to kind of um, I suppose develop that work and, and, and make it part of more meaningful for me and, and contribute more more to that um, but also to link that to other things that I want to do in the community as well. Oh. Absolutely amazing. It leads me wonderfully to the, the next question. It's all about legacy. And I think um, when I was younger, I think I was like around 14 years old, I remember attending a seminar and uh, the guy speaking, he said, I know you guys are all 14 years old, but 
who do you want to be when you're 40 like me? Where do you want to be in life? And um, he said, imagine yourself as a 40 year old and just think about what do you need to do to get to that point? Mm -hmm. And I think from that age, I've been very conscious about um, the choices that you have to make to be in a certain place. And it's about all that building that legacy. You know, I, not, I'm not, not only thinking about 40 because that's coming really close for me right now. <laughs> uh, but thinking about 80, 90, maybe a hundred years old, you know, what do I want to have left behind? What, what is every decade of my life going to present to the world? So what is your, you know, ideal legacy? You know, you're working towards a lot of things, but when you leave this earth, how will this world be better through you? So, so what I'd like is to have three very well grounded children that I leave behind. So um, I hope that um, part of my legacy is just as I've taken inspiration from my parents, that they will take inspiration from me in terms of how they interact with, with people that they come across, whether that's you know, within their own family or their network of friends or people in the community. Um, and actually having that, um, that respect at that soul conscious level for, for people. So that's, that's really important for me is that that, that would be a, a, a legacy for me. The other is in terms of the, um, the work that I'm doing in the community, I hope that, um, you know, what I plan to do will leave a legacy um, and will have a longer term impact. So one of the things that I wanted to do through the um, carers group is to set up um, locally um, a city-wide forum for carers. And one of the reasons for doing that is because I feel that individuals should be empowered in terms of um, shaping and this shaping and designing services that impact on them. So um, I'm working with the, um, I'm hoping to work with the, um, the chief executive of the CCG locally and also um, you know, the, the hospital and other public sector organisations to create this um, forum across the city. And, and I'm hoping that, that if that transpires, then um, individuals who are carers, who've had lived experiences, will be actually influencing the design um, and the way services are delivered. Because it's only through that that we can actually get things right. And I hope that that inspires those organisations then to work with other, others in that same way. So when we talk about equality or diversity or inclusion, it's actually from the perspective of, of individuals impacted by you know whatever services that are being provided so that that would be wonderful if I could achieve that oh <laughs> uh, you definitely you definitely will I know that there are some current events and projects that you're working on that will be happening this month would you be happy to share it with us you know what's coming up and how you know people could support you in a different project that you're doing Sure. So a couple of things that I, I'm doing. So um, an old colleague of mine, uh, Devante Curry, is um, hosting um, some events to, uh, on um, vaccine hesitancy. Um, and a lot of people will be aware that there's, there's a, an issue of vaccine hesitancy amongst 
um, black and Asian minority communities. So um, there's, there's a, a series of panel conversations that are taking place. And I, I'm kind of supporting one of the panels to talk about vaccine hesitancy from kind of an Asian perspective and from my kind of lived experience. So that, that's, that's something that's happening. Um, I'm trying to remember the date for that. I've forgotten, but- uh, um, The 9th of June? 9th of June, that's it. So that's on the 9th of June. Um, and this other, this other work that I've got planned with, with Devante kind of going forward as well. The other, the other thing that I, as, as you mentioned earlier, on the 17th of, of June, we've got the Peace After Violence event, which is um, primarily talking to um, public sector leaders like the Chief Constable, um, an Assistant Mayor from Leicester, and uh, also the um, Chief Executive from University Hospitals Leicester, uh, uh, along with um, um, the local um, charity uh, charities um, and, in, and also individuals with lived experience of domestic violence um, to, to, to really talk about um, and get a shared understanding of um, you know what what is what is working within within um, the services service sector in, in regards to supporting um, people who've gone through violence. Um, but also to, to, to look at how those organisations could work jointly, but with those with having had lived experience, to kind of change um, the support and the services that are provided so that longer term um, people feel, so whilst they've been through this experience of, um, which is quite tragic and traumatic, is, mm. is to kind of support those individuals because one of the things that I kind of found from my own experience is that, that domestic violence isn't just the physical um, abuse that you experience, there's aspects which are, you know, when we talk about financial abuse, they also talk about um, the emotional um, impact of, of, of violence. Um, and um, so that, that kind of trauma um, I believe is 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 almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder, and I'd like to, to see that recognised where where people have experienced um, domestic violence, and for that to be supported longer term, because I don't think there's a quick fix for um, people who experience that uh, domestic violence. There, there needs to be longer term support for, for those individuals, especially with the um, post-traumatic stress that they they experience and that kind of triggers in in different situations that they might be in but also what I'd like to do is for um, employers to to kind of talk about domestic violence and actually for that to be another place where women can get support mm. so that um, you know they are having difficulties in their personal life that actually in the workspace that that domestic violence is understood and that those individuals experiencing it are actually supported by the organization so that you know that their situation isn't compounded by um, you know what happens at work um, but actually they get support or they get signposted to services or they get mental health support 
whatever it might be that an individual needs. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's an amazing project that you're working on and hopefully uh, a few of us can, um, you know, support that. We have listeners from the United States, Germany, UK, all listening. So, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Some of these projects, you can participate from Zoom um, so anyone can get involved. So, Shilpa, something that you said earlier about, you know, going through, um, you know, breast cancer. Sometimes I find people have gone through big, um, I would say traumatic and you know, life-changing things, there seems to be like this motivation to, you know, to live life the fullest and, you know, like you said, live your best life. Mm -hmm. For people who don't have those things happening in their lives, um, it's pretty monotone, I would say. How would you reignite that fire that, you know, is lit within you? Um, I suppose you shouldn't um, wait for um, an event like that um, for you know to live your best life I guess um, it's looking at um, I mean I see so much inspiration around me um, and um, you know um, the people who have been through difficult situations but also those that haven't um, but you know they've, they've invested their time and their energy in terms of supporting supporting people to and, and lifting them out of difficult spaces I think it does help if you've got experience because then you have the empathy um to to kind of support individuals but I I always feel you know that that we all have only a certain number of days you know um and um I, you know I'm not sure what it is but I think it's about 1700 and something days on average on this on this earth and actually you know if you if you kind of think about that how many how many days is that so you know um i'm not sure if that figure's right but if you know if you estimate that you know the average age is about 74 75 um how many days is that um, and i think if you were um wanting to leave something as a legacy um you know it's the best time to to start is now really isn't it um because you've got more time to to kind of um leave that legacy yes definitely thank you for that um er earlier this week uh, or last week a question was asked of me if you could meet anyone in this life you know someone who inspires you who would that be a living person we'll start off with a living oh, person a living you. person yeah um I think if it was a living person, it would be Barack Obama. Yes. <laughs> it's that Michelle, so you, we could we could have could a double date with her. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Oh, what about Barack Obama inspires you? Oh, um, I think that he's he's a wonderful um, orator, and um, mm -hmm. when he's and he also has a way of um, engaging um, people, which you know I, I i kind of um not envy <laughs> sometimes i do i wish i could um but um he has a wonderful way about him and and he engages people um at you know from from all backgrounds at all levels um and also you know um he, he seems to be really passionate about um you know what he what he wants to achieve um uh, and he obviously has a, a, a great legacy as well. Um, so he, he really inspires me. 
um, and yeah, that I'd love to to be too. Amazing. Uh, and if, if he's listening, we never know who the listener in the United States is. What would you say to him? What would you say to Barack Obama if he's listening right now? He's, uh, <laughs> yeah, please connect with me. <laughs> I don't shy away from that. I, I'm a, I know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Twitter troll. Is that what they call it? So <laughs> I, I connect with, with everybody on, on, um, on Twitter and on uh, Instagram and um, you know, and in fact, I'm, I'm surprised when I actually do get um, a reply back from from famous <laughs> individuals. Um, yeah, that just gives me that little bit of motivation on that day. Thank you. And if anyone in history that you know inspired you, you could you can meet them. Who would it be? Um, I'm not sure. In terms of history, I'm not sure. I think that there are this. There's so many individuals that have kind of inspired me over, um, um, you know, when I read about them. Um, so I'm not sure if it's one individual, but I guess the usual individuals like Mahatma Gandhi. Um, mm. I'd love to meet, um, you know, Nelson Mandela. So again, those those are individuals that, um, yeah, that, that have. Um, I've been inspired by because I feel that they, they, I'm in tune with with their values and beliefs about um, equality, diversity, and inclusion. Yes. Oh, thank you. So, as we're coming close to the end of the show today, the show is all about tapping into your greatness. So, how have you tapped into your greatness? If you could describe that in a sentence, I have tapped in my into my greatness through. Yeah, that's yours. <laughs> I, I guess I tap into my greatness um, through um, my faith um, and um, through meditation um, because I feel that by having that practice on a daily basis, it can it can um, kind of motivate me. It can take it can give me clarity um, and it can take me into that space. Oh, beautiful. You know what, Shilpa? I have absolutely loved your presence today on the program. This is my first episode of many to come. So thank you for being here today and enlightening us and, you know, sharing that soul uh, of yours. That's so beautiful. I hope all of you enjoy today and tap into your greatness every week with me here on the show. Uh, Mondays from 8 or no, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. in the UK time. So thank you for joining in. Thank you for those who are listening at home from different countries. And we hope to have many more guests. And like Shilpa said, she's got a couple of events on the 9th and on the 17th, which I'll be linking on my Instagram. So keep up with me and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Shilpa. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Tatiana. It's been wonderful. You're welcome. Thank you.